This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please consider setting up a small monthly donation at patreon.com backslash the creative curmudgeon, or consider making a one-time donation at venmo.com backslash the creative curmudgeon. listening to the sweet sounds of the creative curmudgeon podcast and joining me today is my old friend sio word um thank you for joining me you were the first ever guest on this podcast and now you're the first ever return guest we're returning uh, i'm a returning feature hello yeah how Hi. do you feel about that how do you do, does that does that make you feel like kind of cool it does. It feels. I mean, it's it's we're we're mapping a journey. I started. I came in as the doyen, and now it's Sion Word, and we're doing we're doing something new. But we're still, yeah, yeah. It's it's a loop. It's a, it's a cycle, and I like being a part of the cycle. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to uh, ask you about that name change first and yeah. foremost. Uh, I know that it had um, something to do with negative associations with somebody that like kind of gave you the idea to go by. The doyen, but I'm I'm curious where this current name came from. Yes, um, kind of uh, stepping back for anyone who who's been keeping tabs. Uh, so the doyen was I'll just just very briefly. You're right. Uh, I had a friend back when I first started performing live, and I needed a name. I was going to just use my first thing. They were like, "Use the doyen." Well, I did. It was a, I like the name. I like what it represented. What the what it was defined as, and they turned out to be uh, a very, very a, a groomer. They were very much grooming me to be something that they wanted me to be. Uh, and that uh, I, I didn't realize it at the time, uh, because this was, what, 15 years ago almost. And uh, so this year, I began to really unravel a lot of that, a lot of uh, unraveling what someone else expected me to be. And I was like, all right, so we're just... It's not that I don't want people to acknowledge the work that I did over the last decade plus, but I'm also changing the way that I'm looking at art and words and writing. So I switched it to, to with deliberation, uh, sign word. And I know people are having trouble with the pronunciation. So the it's, it's say a word, but it's Saya because my first, you know, first solo, my name is Sai. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're just, I'm looking at it. I'm still, there's still some things that carry over between, I guess, personas or names, but it really is me saying, you know, creating on my own terms instead of on someone else's suggestion or whim or what they think that I should do. So that was, that was the reason why I changed it. I've definitely had some like name change crises uh, myself and I don't really understand when people, I mean, it's all good, whatever people want to uh, do. But like when people either don't have like a real firm reason for like why they like went by like a certain name, it was just like, oh, it's just something that like I came up with. Or it's like they have those like negative associations, but then they can just like do that anyway, like under that name for like an indefinite period of time. I think that's cool, but like I don't understand it like at all because like that's right. like 
such a big part of like what you're even like selling is like getting people to like remember that name. And so that name is just like constantly just like in your own face. And so yeah. if you have those negative associations, then like, like for me, it's like super like not away at me. So it seems like you're kind of in the same, in the same boat. It was, it was like, you go to do a show or release a project and you see this word, this name, and it's hard to say it's you or your work when you weren't the originator of that that label, that that name. And for me, you know, going by the Doyen and doing shows and stuff, it wasn't bad, but it was like you look at it and you're like, there was a point where I would think that it was a band, like it was just a project, like it detached from me as a person. It didn't feel like an artist name. It felt like a concept of a time that I'm just not in anymore. I'm not being groomed by someone. I'm not partying the same way. I don't interpret life the same way. There's no way I'm any way the person I was when I was 24 when I started. Yeah. Like, I am, like there's just, there's just no way. So yeah, when I looked at Marquee, I wanted to say, you know, people from this or something or from a show or a project to say, okay, this is, this is him. This is his art. This is his story and not something that somebody else decided on a whim you know. have you felt like kind of energized re-energized since you oh. made the name change yes um i just at this point yes because i'm definitely ascertain i'm at the point where i'm ascertaining exactly what i want people in their mind to associate with when they hear sigh a word if they hear it or they see me or whatever, what do they think? Okay, so Sia Word, Word, okay, writer. He's a writer, he's a lyricist. The concept is words. The concept is my voice. And it was the thing that, I might have talked about this last time I was, when I talked to you last time we did the blog and my trip to therapy and ascertaining that my voice was the most important thing I have to offer anyone. I, the things I have to say, my perspective of the world. And that was, that's what that, the word part is supposed to signify. So, and I think I'm getting there um, so far, like just putting out what I'm putting out, but it's just the keeping the concert. And that's the other thing. The Doyen wasn't a constant thing. It was very much like release album, do a show, release an album. I never really tore, but it was like the big project. It was never like, here's a constant stream of con of projects that I'm putting out. Here's a constant, here's a chapter of this fiction. Here's a single, here's, you know, like that kind of thing. So that, yeah, the, the moments were definitely different it's more personal now i guess i um i recently uh read the body keeps the score i don't know if you ever like read or heard of that book but it's basically mm -hmm. just like about like trauma and uh ways of coping with that and singing was one of the things that like came up as just like a physical yeah. like exercise to like kind of like get out like stress and trauma which i thought was like i've always thought of music that way but like as far as just like the physical act of like actually singing Yes. That being a release, I'm assuming that that's like something that you are, uh, ex have experienced, like why you kind of like gravitate towards singing? I used to, just to give a perspective, uh, when I was in, even not even when I was in college, like I've always been a very guttural, very physical singer. It's always come from my chest voice. It's always come from like the center of my body. This is very physical and very intense, emotional thing for me to to do that. I'm not, I'm an introverted person, so it's hard for me sometimes to be upfront with the way that I feel. So the act of singing, the release of it, the air coming out, like the actual process of, oh yeah, yeah, definitely it's catharsis. It is, it is a deep catharsis for me to say and to mean it. You know, I don't like singing softly. 
I don't like singing like uh, like a pop singer. You know, you just kind of go in and you sing in, in the tone that we're talking in right now. You sing in that tone. For me, I want my room to fill a voice. I want it to fill an auditorium. I don't like using microphones. I don't feel like I even care about using the mic. Like I want to be that big and that forward. So yeah, it's it's hugely catharsis and hugely been a way to deal with uh, to deal with trauma. Like the last show I did um, as the Doyen, I did one of the new songs and I almost cried. And it was like, well, that and I did a song. I, I know I was going to cry. And it was you're on stage, you're singing it. You're like. I'm not going to sing the song ever again because this moment is that important because I am letting all this go, all this crap that built up to what created Denoya that built up to this transition. So yeah, yeah, singing is it is my it is my thing that I do um, that keeps me okay. It is the art that I share, but it is it is a physical thing for me. Like it is it is my body, it is my exercise. If I do, and if I ever lose weight, it'll be. As I'm going back to singing four or five, six hours at a time, which is something I used to do a lot more. So now I'm down to like two hours. So. Still pretty good. Two hours is still, yeah, still really good. But yeah, I, I I think that's interesting because I've I've seen you perform a lot in the past mm-hmm. on bills with punk and metal bands, and I think that that is kind of like the connecting thread. Is that like you're kind of going at it, like giving it some like something from inside of you is like coming out in such an intense way that seems a lot more intense than these people over here playing this extremely loud fast music yeah. and so i i think that's an interesting connection yeah i have to i feel like i have to fight now i would say fight for respect and like that like no one's ever made me feel that way in that community and in, in the, there's the other end of the spectrum where you know dealing with certain certain groups that it made me feel like i had to fight for my place to be there but i never felt like that with the band and stuff but I felt like that when people saw me in, on a bill and it was just me up there by myself with the music playing, um, that that was that, that was the defining feature. Like, I'm going to be the biggest voice in the room. I'm going to be the most intense emotional experience because it is just me. There's no there's no instrumentation that will be bigger than me and my voice. And I will literally walk away from this microphone. You will see me like that. Is, that was always my approach. And yeah, definitely. There's been that that's throughout the course of my career that's definitely been the whole thing right the whole not the gimmick but but that's what that's why i want people to know me for like you will hear me no matter where you are like oh sorry set started yeah come on come on inside let's go so yeah yeah there's there's nothing that feels worse or there's very little that feels worse than the feeling of like performing something extremely personal and having like there be people and having there be complete like indifference or even like conversation amongst themselves or like whatever oh, yeah. during that time. And I could definitely, I've definitely experienced that. Like, no, fuck you. You are going to pay attention to me. I have stopped a set short for that shit. I don't like that. Just that blows my mind. If people try it, like you, you're in the audience and you're talking and you're looking away and all of that. Nah, I'm going to get louder. I'm going to get louder. I'm going to walk out there. I'm gonna, I've done it. I've walked to the back door. I'll look you down in your face and I'll see at you. And it is, it is, a, it is, it, 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 it is offensive. And I hope people that listen to music and go to shows know that when you are in a, in a moment of someone else's catharsis and they are communicating that to you, that you're not, that you have the decency to listen. Because I really have had a lot of times that I can think back even recently, you're like, wow, like this, they really were trying to 
it almost feels shady. It almost feels like, almost offensive. Like, are you serious? Like, you know, you don't feel this? Because I feel this. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel this moment. You don't feel this moment? How, how indecent of you as a human to not make that connection? So, no, I, you know, that's, that's kind of hit on the head there. That's definitely been an experience that's happened more than once. I can say even this year. I've only done two shows this year. Yeah. Yeah. Are you planning on performing uh, more? I would like to. I have not closed the door. Like, my focus is not my focus um, because I, I want to do it right. I really do want to involve more people. I really do want to expand instead of trying to do the same things that I was doing before. I do want to do one more one-person show because I don't want to I don't want to just do shows for the sake of doing shows. I don't want to do, you know, you go out, do the routine, and you just you get ready to do a show, and it's a few weeks, and you do it, you're a little bit in the set. No, I want to do, like, a show. Like, it's me on the bill for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. We're really doing a whole concept of a show. That's where I want to take it now. So that's where I want to go. I wouldn't be satisfied on a bill with four other bands. Like, it would be me, maybe, like, one of the first opening. Because it really is, like, a theatrical thing. Like, I'm doing this this performance twice. That's it. And it's, it's, a, it's a theatrical run. It's something that will be recorded, maybe. But the idea is it's a it's a concept and I'm seeing it through it as a project that I've worked up to and built up with other people to present as a theater thing. But I um I, I don't know if you know I, I don't know if you know I went to see uh I know obviously I'm not on that scale with Beyonce recently, right? I went to the show when she came here in Phoenix. It was like watching a movie. It was it was so in, intensely choreographed and practiced and, and and important to me because it was all these moving parts. And I want to start building the little parts, you know, the, the dancers, the people behind who are supporting the lighting and all of the stuff that I learned that I know to put together something bigger, you know. So yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. I, I saw uh Beyonce and Jay-Z in 2018, actually. Oh. Um, and uh my partner and my daughter and I actually got like nosebleed seats, but then somebody came up to us and said, Hey, we have like empty seats like in the oh. front, and like we gotta like fill the front to like make it kind of like look good like do you guys want to go sit in the front so we got like really expensive Um, seats for like you know nosebleed prices or whatever but i mean it was amazing and very hard for me to watch a band for longer than like 20 minutes when there's no uh there's no presentation there's there's kind of just like the same people in the same clothes playing the same kind of music like it gets pretty old pretty quick whereas like with with that show with Beyonce, all the costume changes, all the sets, yeah. all the people that would like come in and out. It was like, okay, I get it now. This is how it's like, this is how this a two hour show is supposed to be. This is a production. It's like not even, it's a, it's a thing. It's almost like the circus in town. Like it's, it's really like you're watching acts of a play and that's what I want to do. Like that's how I learned and how I learned to appreciate music when watching tours and watching artists like Beyonce, Madonna, uh, Britney Spears, Janet Jackson, the way they set up a four act play on their show as far as costuming and see that's what I want to do. I, I don't want to I, I don't want to be an opening act for someone else anymore. I don't I don't I don't want to come and plug my stuff in and do 20 minutes and then load it up and then leave. That that to me is no longer significant. That's no longer impactful. What's impactful to me is okay we're gonna tell people this is the show and they're gonna come and they're gonna fill it up and it's gonna be a couple, a few, they're going to be there for a few hours. So we're going to open our MC and we're going to, this is the production. That's what I want to do. That's to me worth it. I actually made a roll. I have like a roadmap 
of the shows that I want to do in relation to the books. That the, that's on the show. We'll get into it, but the books are the companion. They have an album to go with them, and then all of that's supposed to be incorporated into uh, the corresponding show. So that's that's where I'm at now. I'm that's awesome. To do- I look yeah, forward right. to seeing this. Uh, oh, yeah. I want. I want to. I want to get back to uh, to the writing. Uh, but yes. first, I was going to play um, the song that you sent me. So, is there anything okay. that you can say about this before uh, before I play it? Uh, this was produced by Capital Almaz. It is called. Uh, it is called Fall from Grace. It is based on the first chapter of the serial fiction. It is supposed to be the opening salvo and, and the and the defining aesthetic. Piece. This is supposed to be a synthwave thing that we're doing. There's there's other tracks that are planned, but this was the one I heard the music last year. It had to be 2022, and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the one. So I've been really excited to release this. Like I I was, it, it was a fun recording it, getting it mixed and all that stuff. But like just to present it, this is this was a thing. So I'm gonna play it again. Fantastic. All right, so here here is Fall from Grace.
I wanted to talk about your writing. I, I read phase two of your oh. ongoing fiction, online f- fiction series uh, today. And I got to say, I'm really into the Phoenix imagery specifically. Like oh, yeah. I, I have a friend uh, named Ryan who does an online comic book called Rat Kids. And similarly, it's this fantastical story that takes place in Phoenix. And so there's like all of these different references to where we live. And similarly with you, like even like, you know, name dropping the Herd Museum, I was thinking yeah. like, wow, is this how like New Yorkers feel just like all the time with like every TV show and movie? Um, so it's, I, I appreciate that that you're giving us some representation there. Yeah, it's like you know, we there's so much stuff that happens in like people people do things in Phoenix, like people do movies and things here. We never get the Phoenix experience of like actually going to places that we know about. And um, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to incorporate that in what I was writing because it really the whole point was that it does start in Phoenix. Like this, I'm, I don't know, but just the basis of the the. The the, club, the thing that starts the all events in this story happened to Phoenix, and it really is my interpretation of what Phoenix would be like after this kind of cataclysmic event. But there are a lot of places that are there that are, you know, I, I think the the big fight sequence happens on McDonald Central, like it's supposed to happen right there at that intersection. Because in my mind, I've been there so many times, and I can see all that space, and it's like. That makes sense to me. And anybody who knows the city and knows downtown Phoenix or that area at all knows that intersection and can make that connection. Like, oh shit, like the lamp, the the she is thrown into a. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a, a part where um, the traffic light is hit, and I'm like, I want people to be able to envision that. Who know Phoenix? If they, even if they don't know Phoenix, they can fill in the blanks. Like, oh okay, this is this is this is significant, you know. And I do want to go back to it in later chapters and all that, but yeah. It was important to me to incorporate that, like to kind of start with this basis of this is the world that I'm in and my world for the last 20 years has been Phoenix after I moved here at 15. So, yeah. Yeah, there's something simultaneously beautiful and oppressive about living in Phoenix that I think lends itself very well to uh, to this kind of like post-apocalyptic yes. sort of sort of story. Um, yeah. What, uh, like, did you, have you been writing non-musical writing for like a long time or before i did music i didn't i haven't in so long before i wrote music i i wrote fiction stories like the characters that i'm writing about now i actually wrote those same characters um when i was maybe 11 12 13 14 i would go in a composition notebook and just write and just write and i used to fill those up and then that turned into poetry and then that turned into music when i went into choir and stuff so this is me kind of like if i hadn't gone I would say this, if I, I, when I was uh, seven, you know, graduating from high school, I was supposed to go to ASU and get a degree in English and journalism and writing. That was what that was supposed to be. And I didn't go to college. I got in a relationship and went off to be there somewhere and figured it out. But yeah, writing was, I actually was a writer first and then the music came. So this is me kind of saying like, yeah, I'm a musician and music will always be the immediate thing that I'm building up to. Like the show to me is the culmination of everything. It's like the season finale, but the season itself, oh yeah, this is I've been doing this for a long, long time. Like the, these characters have been with me. Their personalities and their stories have been with me for a really long time. So yeah, this is this is me kind of going back and saying, okay, I'm actually gonna do this right now. I'm actually or do this the right way. 
and give them their stock and just build from here. And wherever we go, if it's if it's a book, if it's two, three, four, five books, that's fine. But let's let this be an organic thing that I should have did a long time ago. So. Um, what have you noticed as far as like what one offers that the other doesn't as far as writing and music is concerned? Yes. Uh, music is, uh, it's more, it's more so satisfying, uh, more gratifying in the moment because you, especially when you're like, as a performer, uh, you get to be on stage, you see people's reaction, you hear the responses. It's more like, okay, they're, they're vibing it. They're getting it. Um, it's, it's a, it's a yes or no in that moment. Writing is a little bit different. Law writing takes time. Writing is more getting responses from people, getting the feedback, getting it out to people like and expecting them to read right now we're at sixteen thousand words between those two chapters and expecting people to digest that and then you know be ready for more is different it takes patience and i don't think i would have had that patience 10 years ago i, I do now i think at 38 but 10 years ago i would have been like no nah, I, I need i need to i need the drug i need the, the the drug of acceptance and being successful and making good music now but you're not going to get that from writing but the payoff now is, is now people are like, okay, I can't wait for the next one. Or, oh, this is like, like they're asking me questions uh, or giving me feedback. And it's a, it's a different, it's a different vibe. It's just, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I wouldn't have been 10 years ago at all. Right. Like I, like I really didn't need the, the joke because that kept me going. But now the keeping me going is, it's, it's much more self, self-satisfaction. I have to feel good in myself to keep this going. So. No, totally. Um, and it's that writing definitely is more of a, they can both be, a, I'm doing it for myself sort of experience, yeah. but like writing, it's so solitary and yeah. like you can see that reaction. If, if you're performing live, you can see that reaction pretty instantly with like music, good or bad versus like writing, like you're not going to like, you know, give something to somebody and then just sit and look at them. Right, like a way for like, oh, you're gonna read it. Like, no, what, what page you want? No, and it's not. You can't. It's not the same interaction. It's like it's out there. Go ahead and read it. Like I've, I know I, I expect it to be weeks, and it will be weeks for people to you know have the time to sit and read it. And um, yeah, it's just it's just different. Like you don't. Yeah, I don't have the instant part anymore. Like, and that's the the drug that I'm feeding myself off of is like the approval part. The mute from that you get from music. I don't, I'm not going to get that for a long time. But this, uh, which is, I think that's why I released a single. That's why I did this song because I was like, if we're, if, if we're going to let people know about it, let me, you know, this is my way of, of doing that. But yeah, it's just different. It's a different thing, different. So, you know. Do you generally work on stuff at like set times? Like, do you kind of like set aside time each day to like work on it or is it just kind of like whenever? I feel I've like been I asked this the first episode. <laughs> I don't remember what the answer was, so I'm sorry if that is the case. No, but... it's fine. I think I think we, it, I think it's different because they're different projects and it's different vibes now, and it's mm-hmm. the workflow is a lot different. Um, I got to, I have went through a depression the last few weeks, so it's been kind of up and you know kind of up and down. When I'm down, it's hard to work when you're you know when you're self destructive when you're just stagnant or depressed or whatever. But um, for me being the late I, I work we talked about this before we got started that I, I work late so it'll be three four in the morning i'll just be up and it's like all right let's just take three hours and just write just sit down shut up put the you know put something on the background just have flashing images put on mute 
and just write. And it is different. It is different because it is so solitary and it is so self-motivated. Like, but yeah, you know, my my set time is usually when everybody else is asleep. Like I and I'll sit there and just work. So yeah. I I I, I want to go back to uh, what you just said about having something mm-hmm. on because I've been like kind of doing some trial and error stuff with like myself. And I think that like when I, when I was a teenager, I would just like talk to people on the phone for like long periods of time as I was like watching a movie in the Ooh. background, but the, the sound was off. And I was just kind of like looking at the images while I was talking on the phone. And mm-hmm. I think for whatever reason that made me concentrate better. And I think like, yeah. similarly, like I've, I've kind of read about other you know creative people that do something like similar and I've, I've been experimenting with that be it with like music or just like you know looking at something so that like my brain isn't going in like a million different directions it's kind of focused here and here yes um, is it is that kind of a necessary thing for you to like kind of have something in the background um it's not yes it helps I can I mean I can function without it but it's just it makes me feel cozy to have something that I can look up at the Golden Girls or something. I love the Golden Girls. That's my that's my current oh, yeah. my my life obsession. I don't know if anyone knows that about me. Who is your I, favorite? It is my thank you. It is my favorite. You already know it is my favorite. No, I said, I said who is your favorite? My favorite Golden. I don't have a favorite because they're all me. But they all have portions of myself. Um, I I some days I am Blanche. Some days I am Dorothy. I I have my rose moments, and sometimes I I am I am Sophia. But I I've watched it the entire series through enough times where I can look at it and know what they're talking about or look see the close captioning and get the joke. So I'll be writing and you look up and you have that, the familiar, cause I'm, I live alone. There's no one else here. There's no noise. I don't have any pets or kids or anything like that. So that is my coziness. It makes me feel comfortable. Um, so that's why I look for it. Like if I'm writing and I'm just, and you're writing and you, and I, it makes me not feel lonely during that process because it is a lonely lonely process it'll be weird for me to go to a coffee shop or something and try to write because i would have to open it in like a little window and like you can't it's kind of hard to do that when you're trying to type but to have the tv on in front of me that that does you know yeah there's a certain predictability like the the movies i would watch when i would talk on the phone would be like the movies that i would just like watch like over and over i don't know that it would work like at a coffee shop because like who knows like what's going to like happen like around you or whatever but like right. I get I get why people kind of to like chill out will just like watch the same like tv series just like over and over uh as like a meditative sort of process it is yeah, yeah that is Golden Girls is the big one I've been watching some old anime too because that is the one of my influences I'm not going to see and ever pretend that I'm not influenced by anime or Japanese cinema in general because there's some live action things I love too but I am um, yeah, I that is that is my my thing. That is my my jam when I'm creating is to have that in the back, have that going on. So, but that is that I think that's part of the process. You know, I, I've not become blind to other stories and other media, and it has definitely given me the foundation to kind of jump into my own ideas with confidence because I'm creating in a comfortable space, and I think that's really important for anybody who wants to create to figure out what your comfortable space is because then it makes you want to make more. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm curious. My family has told me that I'm the most like Sophia. Like, do you agree or disagree? <laughs> I, I, okay, um, Sophia, I, for you, I I will push you more towards the Dorothy lane. I think you might be. I think you got some Dorothy traits about you that I would think. But like what? 
Yeah, like what I'm like, I, I think not in the because I think when we when we think of uh that character and especially with B. Arthur and the way she played her, um, she was you use the word curmudgeon in the mm-hmm. in the title of the blog, and that's kind of that's what we think of when we like she's grouchy, and you're not grouchy, so that doesn't fit. Uh-huh. I don't get that. But the but the the way that she's so like so confidently can just observe a situation and say what it is, that part I do see. Like it's not necessarily always sarcastic or always mean, but it's very much like Sophia's oh. Sophia's a little bit more Sophia's more mean. So I don't see you being like mean. Like does she, you know, but then again, I, I my 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 association with the show is a little bit intense because I remember when Sophia first debuted, she was kind of kind of racist and homophobic. <laughs> Like she was really like really mean if you actually watch it, but it's like mean in the sense of 1985 mean, you know, like 40 years ago. Right. Like she's literally being an 80 year old, you know, Italian lady, like making comments about the gay guy who was in the pilot who never appeared again after that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. She's like, "Is the fancy man in the kitchen?" I'm like, "Bitch, what the fuck? Like, you can't just say that." So you're like, "Wow." But that's how they wrote that character. She, she they edged her out with time, of course. But you know, like that's why it's hard for me to say you're Sophia. Like, no, nah, like you have to understand the whole spectrum of that character. And I think you fought more like the author because there's so much sentimentality in the way. Okay, I'll, I'll end it. I'll end with this. I'll say this. Like the last episode, and I, I recently brought this up because I watched it and restarted and whatever. So the very last moment when they're saying goodbye, because Dorothy leaves. That's the spoiler alert. That's how the show ends. And when she's walking out the door, they're crying. They're doing the back and forth, but they stop acting, and they're and they're talking to each other in character. But what they're saying, they're saying it to each other. So like Rue McClanahan is talking to B. Arthur. It's not Blanche Devereaux talking to Dorothy Swornan. Right. And B. Arthur turns when she turns the last time she goes out the door, she looks at the camera. And it's the cold, it's the, it's, it's, it gives me chills to this day because you don't really notice it unless you notice it because she never does that. She's usually very good about deadpanning and like looking off in the distance when somebody said, like when Rose says something stupid, she's like, she had that blank look. This is not a blank look. It's very intentional. It's very much her looking at the audience and saying goodbye. That kind of sentimentality, that under the level, under the surface stuff, that's what I would associate. That's when, when I, when you ask me who I associate with you, I could see you doing that, looking at the camera that one last time. And open the door, and that would be the end. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's nice. I, uh, I I honestly thinking of you like I see you as twenty five percent each of them. So like it makes yeah. sense. Like you wouldn't uh, that because you have that sentimentality, you have that kindness, you have that sassiness. Like you don't take shit. Like yeah. uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I, I'll read. I'll read. I'll read. I'll be and I could be a Sophia, but I don't. I don't. I don't like being in situations that make me have to be sarcastic and have to be witty, but it's in there, you know, but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely am the, the spectrum. I run the golden girl spectrum, but yeah, yeah, which is fine. I think, I think you have to, I, it's just such a litmus test, like which, which golden girl <laughs> and I really do fall, I don't, I just, I just tick all the boxes, so, yeah. Um, I, I I suppose I should get back to writing because I I, I yeah. want to get to questions that I I wanted to ask about that. Though so this is okay. this has been great, um, okay. but 
have there been uh, particular like authors or books that have been influential to your writing style? Um, the most recent things that I've written or, or read, like really sat down and read and obsessed with uh, Michael Connelly, uh, his, uh, he's the crime books. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Bosch on uh, Amazon Prime. That's where that comes from. And the Lincoln Lawyer, the Matthew McConaughey movie. That's what the, the book's based on that. And I love the way he writes. It's very fat. It's very brisk. It's very, um, I mean, when you're reading a, a book about detectives and cops, because I am, as you know, very, I, I'm not the police. I'm not about, I'm not about the cops really, generally. But the way that he writes from the perspective of a detective while they're trying to go through, you know, the crime and solving it and all that, it's very real. It's very, the way he writes the, the drama part is, is a huge part of, I picked up on like pacing. And I think that's the biggest influence for me right now. Um, the, the latest chapter is from a, someone who's a, considered a, a detective. So that was the mind frame going in of action to action to action, point to point, to step to step. So that's probably my biggest literary influence right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, of course, you know, structurally you get things from other media, but I would say like as far as writing, that's the, the writer who I would say, yeah, I really like your stuff. If I met him, I'd be like, yeah, you really inspired me. I really like the way that you write that the actual functional way that you tell a story. That's what I think of. Yeah, that's yeah it's interesting there. you bring up the uh, the action uh, sequences because I was thinking about that uh, reading this stuff, mm -hmm. how um, I don't read a ton of stuff that has like a ton of action. Like I read a good amount of horror and like, you know, the structure of horror is that it doesn't start off with a lot of action and then towards the end, it's like, oh, fuck. But my favorite action sequences are the ones where their mind fills in the blanks, mm -hmm. where I'm the, where the reader is the director. They're reading the, the function of, okay, she threw a punch at this guy. Cool. How does she throw it? With what arm? Like, did she do throw it properly? Did she close her fist? Did she, you know, throw, throw her body into the punch? Did she take a step forward? Those little minute details, I intentionally don't, there's only so much you can tell somebody to, to guide them before you where you let them drain. That to me is the big is the big one. So if you're writing an action sequence, it's you don't want to be too vague. You don't want to just say she punched, you block. You want to say, you know, okay, so she shifted her weight and she threw her body into the punch and, and he, you know, stepped to the side evade or something like that. But you leave just enough so they can build the visual for themselves. And I think that's what keeps it kinetic. I, that was for a kinetic action sequence. Yeah. And yeah. It, it is something I'm practicing too. This is I've only written well, I've, I've written some future stuff too that I have to edit, but there's only a couple times within the two chapters I've released so far, and they seem like they've worked well, but it's it's just the, the flow and the pacing and the visual of it. I, I can't control what someone else sees. I can only tell them what I what I see and try to keep it brisk, you know, try to keep it concise and interesting and the pace, again, the pacing. So because I'm shifting, but the challenge for me is that I'm, I am playing with a main character who is in first person and then also dealing with other characters while I have to write about third person to other chapters. And then you have to decide, okay, well, how much of their perspective am I telling in the story? Because when my main character is talking, he has a certain way that he talks. He has a certain way he's going to recall events. But then when you're a third person, omnipotent, you know, or omniscient, omnis you know, and you're like trying to explain that, you have to also keep it interesting so it isn't just like 
a storyboard reading. It really is like this is their experience and they were in a fight and this is the way it happened. But how did you how did you see it? What did you say type of thing for the reader? So yeah, that's it's gonna take me it, I, I'm giving myself grace with this first few chapters to really master the flow and figure out what works. But yeah, that's been my approach going into an action sequence. How much of this did you map out? Like, did you, do you have like the entire story kind of ready to go and you're just kind of like doing so, it or, or like, do you not, do you know how it's going to end? Yes. Oh, there is an end point there. I'm not going to obviously spoil it, but there is an ultimate, there's an end game to all of these events. Um, but as far as this book, this, this, which I'm in my mind, I'm thinking of it in seasons, almost like a TV show. Like if, if, if someone was, was going to adapt the work, I would want them to take Summer Paradiso, which is the name of this part, and that would be its own thing, and then the next thing would be its own thing. But I do know how well to stand. Um, it's, it, so yes, it is planned out, but I'm also leaving myself open to, because, and that's the joy, I think, of doing serial, where you're releasing chapters at, you know, every so often that people are reading it and giving their feedback. I, I want people to tell me, I, I want to know more about this character. I, or I want to, what what happened here? What does this mean? Or that type of thing. It, just, it gives me the reason to write and interpret things and, and let this grow. I'm giving myself room to grow. I know the roadmap and the characters involved and the concepts and all of that, but there's a lot that I just want to, that I'm, it's mapped out pretty, I'll just say it like this, to answer your question. I mapped it out pretty far. Like I would say, like I, I know the musical aesthetic for each part. Like this is the synthwave chapter or chip synthwave book. Spoiler alert: the next one's gonna be like disco, and R and B and funk. The next one is, uh, I think, the high energy dance, electronica, EDM, and then we go back into hip hop, and then it kind of circles that way. Yeah. But um, as far as the sequence of events, I do know, but I'm giving myself the grace to let them kind of write themselves because that's kind of where we're at now. Like. Um. All right. Well, that, I, uh, I I look forward to reading all of them. I'm really happy that you're doing this project. I I, uh, I think it's great, and it's it's uh, it, it. I could see the benefit of having it be released like as you go along, and how that could like help you get better as you're going along. Versus like if you spent like two years in private, just like writing a book, yeah. and then you put it out, and then people give you feedback. You're like, yeah. oh, well, I guess I'll. Now that I got all that done, I'm going to. So I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a smart strategy. Yeah, because if people hate a chapter, I could be like, all right, so that's just the lost chapter. <laughs> I was left that out. But if it, yeah, I definitely want like people to tell me what they like, what they don't like. Like feedback is important. Like I, it is my story, and I'm gonna tell my story the way I want to tell it. But I, I do want to know what works and doesn't work. If there's a character you hate, tell me you hate this character because there are a couple that I'm writing, and as I'm writing them. I am beginning to love them. Uh, the next chapter is going to be a, a, good, a good example of that. There's at least one character who I just, I, who is, is on my nerves. And I kind of can't wait until I get to that so people can, so I can ask, like, do, in, are, am I insane for writing someone who I, who I kind of am irritated by? So, yeah. It, it kind of, it, it seems to work like a TV series almost. Like I'm, I'm, yes. currently, I'm currently watching Desperate Housewives. Ooh, yeah. I got like season five of that or five or six. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're on, we're on season five now as well. Ah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's great. It's like golden girls meets twin peaks. 
it's it's so yes it is that's that's why i loved it it really falls into that that sphere of um, such great you know great actresses too i think at the time so but but yeah it's interesting to watch something that was like on the air where mm -hmm. that's like less common now that like a whole season will come out on like netflix or whatever but when something right. is just like on the air and then you get that uh in real time feedback where you see a character for a couple of episodes and then it's like nah this oh, isn't yeah. and, then, and then that person's just gone and then you move on to something else but that kind of that that's probably like a big benefit to the way that tv that that kind of tv is how like you can yeah. kind of like give episodic, it yeah. episodic content yeah i yeah I, I love that show i watched it when during its original run and would you know have to wait i kind of fell off in the last seasons because of that but i I think that might have happened during the writer's strike. It was, I feel like that the last one, not the not the current one, which is crazy to think about that we're in another one. But uh yeah, yeah, definitely that's a good show for that, good example. That's kind of the vibe I'm going for. It's episodic, you know. Which which of those four do you think I am? <laughs> okay, uh I'm a Susan, a Lynette, yeah, yeah, or a Gabrielle. I want to say Lynette. No, not Gabrielle, no. Lynette, maybe, but mm, Mm, I don't. I want to. I don't. I don't want to say Lynette. I don't. I. I think halfway. I would say somewhere between Lynette and um, who's the redhead? I forgot her name. Bree. Bree. There's a little Bree, but not enough to be Bree. But I would say Lynette with a with a dash of. No, not Bree. No, I would say Lynette and maybe Suze. I want to say Susan, but but definitely Lynette. Like I'm like when I think of just. Yeah, I was in that. You're gonna fall in the line that spectrum for that. Which one do you think you are? I want to say Gabrielle, but I, I, we all want to be Gabrielle because she was. But no, I can't. I can't honestly say that I'm Gabrielle. More like probably Susan. I don't want to be. I say Gabrielle I for you. You but... would you? I would say Susan, but I'll take Gabrielle. Like I guess, like it just it doesn't feel. Like, mm, you know what? Yeah, I'll take it, especially after. A certain event happens. I'll say it like that because I know you're on season five, but there's a thing that happens, and I would say yes, that version of Gabrielle, yes, absolutely. But like season one, Gabrielle, no, no, not at all. This episode is brought to you by Hulu.com, which is <laughs> Housewives and the Golden Girls. <laughs> They're the Golden Girls, yeah. Pay me, Hulu. Um, I want you to. I mean, pay me again. To, you know, I used to work for them, so but yeah, oh, maybe that's now. right. Yeah, people forget that. Like, All right, still fucking work for goddamn. <laughs> um. Well, I am going to. I'm going to let you go. Is there anything okay. you want to share or talk about before we uh, before we bring this to a close? No, I'm so happy that you're that you're that you brought me back. That you resurrected me during this episode. Uh, I and I'm so glad you're still doing this. Um, it's so nice to because I do pay attention when you post and I, I when you're sharing this 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 podcast and it's nice to hear giving a voice to these artists so please continue to do so and if you want to check me out i i exist i'm there i'm i'm in the world please follow it, the link it's very hard uh at at, at my age to like mm -hmm. you know it, and you and i have known each other for so long but it's like yeah. it's, it's very hard to like reach out to uh to friends or it's harder than it used to be at least to be like hey do you want to yeah get together and talk so it's a, it's a nice it's a nice uh nice excuse to like catch up and whatnot it is it is actually yeah all right well uh i love you and and thank oh, you for being on this i love you too honey thank you for having me